This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, brought to you by Hoxo Media. I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome to our channels today, Andrew McCaskill, who is the founder of Executive Career Jump. Welcome to you today. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Leisha. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, you will be a very familiar face to those who follow you on LinkedIn, but for our listeners, you may need to do a brief introduction. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew. Yep, thank you. So I'm, as you said, I'm Andrew McCaskill, founder of Executive Career Jump. Um, prior to setting up Executive Career Jump, which is a business that helps leaders in transition to find jobs, I spent the previous sort of 14 or 15 years working at all levels of recruitment. So very passionate about the industry, just as you are. And uh, yeah, keen to have a good discussion today about some of the things we're seeing. Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the main reasons I wanted to invite you on today is that your passion and your enthusiasm for our industry is infectious. And I'm saying that as somebody that's obviously a huge advocate of all the innovation and change. And off camera, we talked about how we as a sector, we should be really proud of ourselves and hold ourselves high in terms of what we've achieved over the last 12 months, particularly. So for our listeners who are either currently leaders or are aspiring leaders, we do get a lot of people who are aspiring to move up to, to leadership roles. We talk about value proposition. It's a term that gets banded about a lot, particularly sort of in recent months. What, what exactly is value proposition? And then what should leaders be doing to make sure they're getting it right for their business? Yeah, really good question. So value proposition is what people pay you for. Okay. It's why our customers use our services. Yeah. And I think one of the big challenges, and so I still work with a few uh, boutique search firms on their value proposition strategy because it's something I'm really uh, passionate about. And I think one of the big challenges that we've always had in recruitment is how do we differentiate from each other mm-hmm. and from in-house solutions? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're really talking about here, Alicia, is how can we cut through the noise and make it clear that what we're doing adds value in a unique way and, um, and is different. And I think that's a really big challenge. It is a really big challenge because, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm an advocate myself. I'm on social media. I'm saying all the words that everyone else is saying, but the reality is, and I'll just put it bluntly, a lot of it's bullshit, isn't it? You know, people say, oh, we're different to everybody else. We do this X, Y, and Z. These are our USPs. So how do, and you know, the the word authenticity has definitely become a buzzword of recent months. How do we make sure people cut through that BS and make sure that what they're actually proposing to their clients as value is real and is something that's intrinsic. We interrupt this podcast episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to tell you about our amazing sponsor. Hoxo Media are the world's leading content recruitment marketing agency, specifically for the recruitment industry. And they currently work with over 250 recruitment agencies, including key recruitment and 3000 recruitment consultants to help them build out LinkedIn brands that then allow them to open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology every single day. Now in 2021, the hugely successful Hoxo Academy of which I was part of is changing. And they've now launched an eight week personal brand launch program which can now help you roll out this methodology across your business. The Hoxham Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters, of which I am one, who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates equally. Now, very often traditional recruiters actually lack the knowledge of how to best use LinkedIn, other than maybe posting jobs you know, every few days, but then struggling with ideas and original content, and also just confidence in terms of what to produce and how to produce valuable content. Now we're living in a post COVID world and we all know now that the world is truly digital. 
The modern recruiter needs to be equipped and have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Hoxo Academy helps every recruiter in the recruitment agency that becomes part of the academy and helps every recruiter achieve this in just eight weeks enrolling new cohorts of training at the start of each calendar month. So this is an exclusive deal for you, our listener. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is so proud to be sponsored by Hoxo Academy that the deal is amazing. For the first 50 customers in 2021, they are offering you the chance to enrol unlimited users on this programme for 12 months at no extra cost. So whether you're listening to this and you've got a team of 15 or a team of 500 and you're looking to hire more during 2021, you can rest assured that they will all get this training that they then need to build out their brand that wins business on LinkedIn. So please click on the link attached to this episode or alternatively DM me to find out how your agency can join this incredible programme. And having been a cohort member myself and a graduate of the Academy at the end of 2020, I'm really proud to advocate this phenomenal and really, I think, business critical Academy for every recruiter who wants to get the best out of LinkedIn and ensure that they also become inbound. Thank you for listening to this message. Enjoy the rest of the episode and do get in touch for more details. So, um, and you're right, there's a lot of bullshit associated with value propositions. And I, I've very proudly written quite a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but how do we make it more tangible? Well, I think you go through different stages of business. So sta- stage one, it will tend to be very founder led. So <laughs> the, the value proposition will be about that individual, as I'm sure your business is to, in, in, yep. many, uh, in many respects. So it's the skill, the network and the craft of the founders tends to be how things get up and running. And that really is the essence of your value proposition at that point. But it comes to a point whereby that becomes unscalable. Yeah. So at that point, if you choose to and you don't want it to be a lifestyle thing, you want to build something, you've got to differentiate. Right. And to do that, you've got to productize. Okay. So there's there's a simple kind of matrix you can use to do this, which is the process that I went through at Executives Online, which was my last uh, big Mm -hmm. MD And what we did is we said, okay, well, you can break recruitment down into three different things. So there's the sourcing element, the assessment element, and then the post-placement element. So you've got these three chunks, right? So if you write those three chunks at the top of a page, and then down the side of the page, there's kind of three ways that you can differentiate at each of those stages. And that is you can differentiate via a commercial incentive. You can differentiate via technology, or you can differentiate via a human incentive, like a, a wow moment, a customer experience thing. So if you think you've got the three stages across the top and the three ways you can differentiate down the side, if you then populate all of those boxes with what your business is going to do. So how are you going to commercially incentivize more work at the sourcing stage? How are you going to give a commercial incentive at the middle stage and after placement? And then you do the same with how do we apply technology before, during and after? How do we apply a human touch before, during and after? You'll then have nine points of difference Mm. that will start to compound into a totally different proposition to what you're up against totally and if you know obviously if people listening to this or watching just write that down into a grid straight away you can start to think about how you can then make that effectual in a real business plan it, 100%. It's, very, it's, it's, it's very simple 
Well, I think most of the best mm. strategy things are we overcomplicate this stuff. But yeah, you're right. Ultimately, for us to differentiate and for people to buy what we're doing, we've got to hit the head and the heart. And the head is all about making sure that it adds value and it's yep. cost effective. The heart is making sure that what we stand for is coming through and what we're doing as well. So, And I like what, what you've said there, because I think there's so much talk and emphasis around personal branding and for leaders who are looking to scale up. And I agree with what you say. I think everything starts with that, the leadership of the business, you know, but ultimately then how do you scale that into it across those personal brand channels of whatever verticals you've got? And then ensure that that's still overall your value proposition as a company. This is what we're renowned for. And each individual revenue stream can have its own value proposition then. So you're not you're not losing anything. You're not watering anything down. And it does then make it scalable across all your different channels with all, anybody that you bring into your business if you're looking to scale up. So I think that's I think that's really interesting. So you've obviously your business is focused on executives looking to take the next leap. So why, why have you set the business up first and foremost? What's your experience been for job seeker experience? Because I know this is something else that you're very passionate about. Yeah. So um, so this first started for me as what the cool kids would call a side hustle, right? But it doesn't it it doesn't it doesn't seem right. A forty year old bloke uh, in a roll neck with a beard talking about side hustles. But anyway, so yeah, it started off as a as a side hustle. So whilst I was MD of Executives Online. Um, we had quite a big data pool. So we, we, that business grew to about 85 people in five countries. And we were placing a lot of mid to senior leaders into SMEs and blue chips. And so we had quite a big data pool. And what I started to realize whilst we were doing it was that um, a lot of candidates were hitting the market for the first time in a long time, mm. um, had outgrown their network, were having to kind of navigate all of the social media stuff that was going on, were being asked about personal branding, were being interviewed and assessed in a different way. You know, frankly, it used to be uh, a lot of senior hires were done over a, a glass of wine and an yeah. old boys club, right? And yeah. quite rightly, all this stuff's been broken down, but it's, it's given this new challenge for leaders in transition to navigate. So I set up as a side thing initially, and then finally, uh, sort of 13 months ago, I, was, I absolutely loved that part of the work. And then 13 months ago, went all in and, um, and really built a much bigger proposition about it and, and got quite lucky with the timing because four months later, unemployment numbers blew up and, and yeah, the demand blew up absolutely and so from and where you're at now I mean what what's the emphasis for a, a senior job seeker now so those who've been previously in leadership roles who might find themselves on the other side of the desk so to speak I think it's it's all about having that empathy and understanding that you know they haven't gone through this before but you've you've hired you've you you know as a job seeker that's a leader you've hired and you've brought people into your business but you've not actually gone out to market so how do, how would you encourage job seekers in that position to focus in on their personal brand then how can they use things like clubhouse i know that we're both sort of passionate early adopters of clubhouse we, we love it so i know you love it probably more than me so talk to me about how, all these different ways that they can look at their personal brand and use it effectively so personal brand specifically or how they get a job well, okay, let's talk about personal. Well, all of it. Personal all brand, of it. first of all. Let's do personal <laughs> brand first. All right, well, just tell me to shut up if I start waffling too much because I, I get quite into these topics. So, look, pers pers personal brands have gone from being uh, an ego-led activity to a strategic imperative, right? There's, there's little or no doubt in my mind about that. Mm -hmm. um, the aha moment for me was when I was headhunting people and when I started headhunting them, they said, who does this report into? And you could hear them typing into LinkedIn who the CEO was or who the MD was. And they were making a judgment based on that as to whether they would even consider going into the process, right? So, you know, for me, it's a strategic play. It's not just a load of noise and an ego-based play. Um, and uh, we're, we're kind of trying to get people, a lot of them going from scratch. Um, 
So we were we had 223 people um, hired in our ecosystem last year, and over half of them came via personal branding in one way or another. So inbound via LinkedIn or via content. So the types of things that people need to think about when they're setting up the personal brand is one, don't be too vanilla. I think the biggest problem is people who've worked in big corporates. Um, we're not going to use that authenticity word, are we? We might have to, but something like that. They're not, they're not themselves when they write. They write almost like it's an investor presentation, particularly senior guys, right? Mm -hmm. They're just so bland. So we, we have to be careful with the vanilla bit. So we get rid of that first and really get them to just focus in on their future boss. So we want them to almost have like an affair in their head with this future boss that's that they're trying to attract every single day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we get some of them to put a picture up. It might be CEO Sam or HRD Helen or whoever this person is. And every day you write to them, every day you talk to them, every day you comment on people's posts who fit that persona, you write your about box on LinkedIn in a way that fits that persona. And if any of those people then show up in a clubhouse room as a moderator or something, you get yourself on stage and you find a way to ask a question which drives intrigue. And coming to the clubhouse point, going to be really interested to see how it progresses um, but for me it's about access right now like there's one particular author who I've spent six months sending voice notes to um, try I've, I've offered a lot of money for a half an hour conversation with I've tried all sorts of different things because I knew he knew an answer to a particular problem I have in the business never had the opportunity and within two days of joining clubhouse I asked him directly and he solved it <gasps> Oh, wow. On stage. You went on, on stage. stage. Oh, I love that. That's no, if that's not a reason to get on Clubhouse. There you go. So I'd offered him a thousand pounds for an hour to talk to me in writing. <laughs> and it cost you absolutely for... nothing on Clubhouse. Because oh. I managed to get up on Clubhouse and direct it to him. And he answered, he gave me a brilliant answer as well. He gave me absolute clarity that, oh, that I needed. So it's, cool. it's access, isn't it? Yeah, if, for, yeah. if you're on the job market, if you're running recruitment businesses, whatever you're doing, it's, mm. it's just access right now. It's amazing. Do you think that there are people potentially, and I'm not saying arrogantly, but if they've mm -hmm. been in a position where they've, you know, not had to look for a job before and they've held a position, you know, leadership role, is there a reticence to try and do this and to think like a job seeker? Is, and is that something that you would, I mean, are there any techniques or recommendations of how to overcome that reticence? Yes. Um, it's a brilliant point. And Ironically, a lot of these guys and girls are the ones who complain about millennials being entitled. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it's, it, there's, there's some real entitlement issues. Mm. I thought I've never had to look for a job before. They've, I've always yeah. just been offered opportunities. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some of that. I mean, ego is the enemy of your job search anyway. You've got to park your pride in ego. I know mm. there's, you know, people, one of the things we do is get people straight out their comfort zone to put out a flare post, as we call it. Oh, so okay. flare, flare as in shoot a flare up, not those yeah. dodgy jeans that we're used to wear. Um, so, and a flare post is simply saying to your network, hi, this is an update on my career situation. Yeah. I had a really good time where I was, but I'm now open to new opportunities. Mm. And that tends to be a bit of a push off Mount Comfortable to get people you know, getting a bit more vulnerable, a bit more open, updating their LinkedIn to show that they're available and making it clear that they're open to opportunity and they've got capacity for the first time in a while. So it's just little things like that, Leisha, but you're, you're right to raise it because it is it, ego rears up when you're going through that kind of transition and we've got to let people get over it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, there's so much emphasis around mental health and, and you know, we're not going to throw the word authenticity in there, but let, I kind of, I've done it, uh, but vulnerability. And that's, you know, I think in terms of the atmosphere on LinkedIn right now, there's actually never been a better time to show vulnerability. It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. So if, you know, leaders listening to this and they're finding themselves, you know, either in a position where they are having to look for a role through redundancy, which unfortunately is going to become even more commonplace in retail, hospitality, you know, travel. But, you know, those in the recruitment audience listening, you know, maybe you are thinking about launching into your own business or going into a bigger job or moving overseas, whatever it is. And actually vulnerability, I think, has become a unique selling point now as a potential job seeker. I, t- I totally agree with you. Yeah, Brenny Brown did a very good talk on vulnerability. I like that one. It's good oh, fun. it's amazing TED talk on vulnerability. Brene Brown is just a, ma- a legend anyway. I agree. I, haven't already I, 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 really like, I really like her vibe. You, you're very uh, authentic in terms of um, how your content comes across and having now spent some time with you before we got on here you, you you've managed to overcome that fear how, how have you managed to do it out of interest? um okay um because I really don't give a shit what people think of me good, good and I don't know if that it th- th- genuinely I mean I'm I'm in my mid-40s I'm d- divorced single parents two teenage girls so it's a very real world that I'm living in um I started to share very open posts probably a couple of years before COVID actually even happened um, through my sobriety because um, I'm openly sober which again in recruitment is still quite a rare thing to talk about um, and I shared a story with um, Sean Anderson on his rag podcast about my my now ex-husband coming out as gay and that's why our marriage of 18 years ended so I think I've I've kind of reached a point in my life where I am who I am and I celebrate other people. I hold other women up. You know, I'm not, I'm, I am just very straightforward. I don't complicate anything. I'm, I'm kind in my heart. Um, so I think that I almost, I, I post content that I hope has value, but it's just dead real and dead honest. And I think if everybody, because in recruitment, I just see what we do as recruiters, no matter what your role is, whether you're coaching executives or you're recruiting recruiters or whether you're placing cleaners, we have a privilege and an honor to take someone on a journey and it's not about us and our ego. It, we're here to facilitate. We're here to help people and make basically make their lives better. And I think that's what's changed for me personally over the last year that I think it's no longer seen as kind of boho to say that you can actually say that now and that can be your unique selling point. So I, for me, it was never contrived to come across like that. I'm just being me. You don't really so, have to work at it. No, I don't really. I, sometimes I have to maybe maybe bite my lip a little bit. But I don't. I think that I love the fact that you said that earlier on about people shouldn't be vanilla. And I think people are so worried about what other people think that I'm not saying be totally controversial or put something out that's offensive. Gosh, you know, I would never do that. But have an opinion. You know, if, you, if, you've, if you've earned the right to be in a certain position, you've got credibility, but you should have an opinion because ultimately that's why people will trust you. Totally. And I've, I've always uh, tried to have a challenger brand, right? Like mm. I kind of, I feel good and I'm at my, in my most real state when I'm holding a mirror up to the bullshit that I believe exists in an industry or you know, really trying to call out things that don't sit mm. well with me. And I, I think I've been lucky enough to get some good traction because people know that that's exactly what I'd be saying to them over a pint in a pub. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's real. Same as what you're doing is real. And we often, it's, yeah, it's, it's worrying about what other people think. And 
and just playing safe. People do this when they're pitching for work in recruitment as well. I used to see a lot of my guys go into pitches and it was like, they're almost trying not to lose the pitch rather than trying to win it. Yeah. And going out being real, you're not going to be for everybody. And that's totally cool because you're qualifying out the people that you don't want to work with. Yeah. So taking a challenge, a real, a genuine challenger position or a, a far more authentic position in any kind of branding or sales exercise is going to work for you, I think. I think so. And, you know, you can't be everything for everybody. I've always, you, people used to say to me, you know, literally we're going back even when I set the business up 15 years ago, if you find me on the playground or you sit me down in a boardroom, you will still get the same leisure. You know, I'm mm. not going to dress it up. I'm not going to dress it down. I'm just going to be me. And so to some people, I've often used the delicious analogy of Marmite, but to some people that's like eating the devil's food. So I'm not trying to please everybody. And I think that's yeah. where, the quality approach, and again, that's another, you know, overused term, the quality, I choose who I want to do business with. And that's where you should be discerning as, you know, for your, your client base, your, your executive job seekers who are finding themselves on the job market, just be discerning and have a quality approach and don't be afraid to say no to things. And I think that's where maybe that comes with maturity and comes with life. I don't know, but I love that. I love the challenger term. I think that's, you know, disruptor, I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, just think uniquely. We're all human beings and we've all got a right to have our own likes and dislikes. You can't please everybody. You can't. And um, I think in recruitment in general, in sales, we're way too keen to please. Mm. Way People too please us though, aren't we? That's kind of what we do. But the reach, and I don't know, maybe this is me personally because I've got two exceptionally independent thinking true challenger daughters I mean god they're total mini means in that way that I I'm always being kept on my toes and I don't it's not about trying to please anyone and I, that's actually how I live my life I think what would I encourage my daughters to do and that's you know maybe just stop and think sometimes am I doing the right thing for myself or is it because that's what everyone expects of me and maybe that's what I think shifting on uh, social media I love your poster behind you for anyone that's uh, listening Andrew's got let's get to work so what, what, what's your predictions for 2021? What's, with Clubhouse, nobody would have predicted that a year ago. So what's going to happen this year, do you think, in our sector? What's going to happen? Um, well, I think the salary shifts are going to be interesting because mm. as people get more used to remote work and hybrid work, then the talent pool for vacancies gets increased. So I think that's an interesting play. Uh, I think people need to get really smart in terms of positioning as well. So I worry for the middle. So any, any market, any middle market position in any sector is going to be tricky. So, mm -hmm. for example, Debenhams are struggling, gone. Yep. But John Lewis is fine and Primark's fine. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, Top Shot's just gone off the high street, but Hugo Boss is no problem at all and TK yep. Maxx is fine. And the point is, is you can get really lost in Wait Waitrose, Little Sainsbury's is struggling, right? You can get really lost in that middle ground. So my worry from a recruitment point of view or the opportunity, which is a more constructive way to think about it, is there will always be a need for high speed, lower level recruitment help. Mm -hmm. And there yeah. will always be a need for ex high end expertise, executive search help. But in that white collar mid market, I think that's where the value proposition work needs to happen quickly because that's what's going to get squeezed. It's already been squeezed in-house and all of that. But I think more and more middle ground positioning is going to be difficult for people. Um, my prediction is that the recruiters who win will focus on assessment. So 
in the mind of the buyers right now, I think they feel like there's more talent on the market than there's ever been before. Yeah. And so the sourcing part of what recruiters do is less valued now than it was uh, this time last year. Um, but what they've got as a real pain point is how the hell do we pick the winner? Yeah. So in your world, you put four potential recruiters in front of me. They're all good. They're all credible. But where you, where I'm going to get tremendous value from Leisha is you helping me as the recruitment business owner pick the winner. Yeah. So if you're working on one thing right now to future-proof 2021, and my prediction is the people who win will be the ones who help their clients pick the winner. It'll be that assessment. People who come up with some kind of process, they'll be the ones who win. Love Sorry, it. That was a long answer. Sorry. No, I love. No, no, it's all really valuable stuff, and I absolutely love it. And uh, look forward to hearing you on Clubhouse. Are you doing any regular slots? Yeah, I've got a couple of regular slots going on. The the job seekers, uh, uh, you know, the senior job seekers that I'm after aren't on there really yet. Um, so we so we've got in early, um, and we've got a couple of rooms going on. But as to your point, I'm going to encourage them to get on there because that access to to the market, right? Absolutely. Did you hear the Elon Musk interview? I did. That's. yeah, it's incredible. Um, Do you think they'll get a record function in it yet? Is that the plan? I don't know if they will, you know. I think no, that's part I, of... I like. I think I like it and I don't like it. I like it because it means that you can just go in, you can put your hand up in any room and it doesn't matter. You've just got to throw yourself into it, don't you? But on the downside, I guess you don't have anything. Oh, well, I mean, we could, we could broadcast this live into Clubhouse now, couldn't we? You could, we, could, we could log into the app and have our mics off and have yeah. the discussion and record it at the same time. So... Yeah. You could still do that, but I think that's part of it. And yeah. we, we spoke earlier about um, not being over keen or too needy with clients in order to drive sales. Mm. The clubhouse model of everyone gets a couple of invites, it's invites only, they're keeping it really tight. Like the way they're keeping it exclusive, I think is a recruitment business, that's how we need to be positioning ourselves. Like trying, we should have a wait list of clients who want to deal with us because of our value proposition. And we come to them when we have capacity not chasing down their ads or spraying CVs at them. Like we have a, we create demand, right? That's where we need to get to that kind of sales and marketing mindset. I absolutely love it. It's a brilliant way to finish. Thank you so much for joining us. I knew that you'd be having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, to everyone that wants to follow Andrew, make sure you get, get, start following him on Clubhouse and LinkedIn as well. Thank you for all your positivity across your channels too. We really appreciate it. Andrew, thank you for having me. Cheers.